0: Welcome to Man vs. Machine. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm back again this week uh, with Bradley Stalder, and I'm pleased to be joined uh, with Dario Offstein. Dario, welcome back. Dario, you were on a trip in Colombia. How was your trip?
1: It was good, yeah. A lot of, you know, beautiful scenery. We went to this, uh, there's like a volcano that's like 13,000 feet in elevation, and so these like natural hot springs that were at this hotel we stayed at, so that was really sick. Um, One of my cousins got married, so that was the main reason for the trip. Uh, just just a beautiful, lovely time and uh, happy to be back. It feels like, you know, I left in June and we were still kind of in the lull of the off season. Now I'm back and it's mid-July and we're very much
0: fully in the swing of things. So, you know, getting, getting back on the ball here. Yeah, we are very much in the swing of things. We're about 50 days out from kickoff. Bradley, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing all right. Ready to jump into some teammate ADP battles
2: with a uh, fellow machine, Dario. Here, this is the first time we've been potting together, so this is
0: uh, a great moment for all of us. So, I think this is a really, really good uh, subject. And I, I talked to to Bradley and Dario about this uh, when we were deciding what we're going to put on the show sheet. And this is like a this is more of a conversational one, but I think this might be one of our more actionable subjects that we've covered in weeks on any pod. One of the last edges in fantasy football, I believe, is mispriced teammate ADP. Every single season I do this article uh that'll be on playerprofiler.com. It's just a, it's an arbitrage article, basically looking at situations where we might be overdrafting the the wrong player uh based on you know positional positional things that, that don't necessarily matter. And I think that 2021 was the year this was really the most pronounced. You had Cooper Cup, who was the league winner, uh, had one of the best seasons of all time for for a wide receiver, really for any positional player with the advantage he gave you, and he did it while being the second-drafted Rams wide receiver behind Robert Woods. In that same year, we had Brandon Ayuk being drafted ahead of Debo Samuel. Debo averaged about 20 points per game. T. Higgins went ahead of Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was like a top-six wide receiver as a rookie. And then on the running back side, you had Leonard Fournette being drafted behind Ronald Jones. Fournette was RB5 overall, RB6, something like that, that season. Last year, it was still an advantage. You still had – it wasn't quite as pronounced at the top, but we did see Brandon Ayuk flip on Debo, and Brandon Ayuk easily outscored him. Tyler Lockett outscored DK Metcalf, uh, despite being like an absolute bargain last year. Jerry Judy uh, outscored Cortland Sutton. We saw Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift. We saw Tony Pollard with Ezekiel Elliott, and then we saw Ken Walker, who was pretty neck and neck with Penny. And then by the end of the summer, Penny had had leaped him. So I want to ask you guys: both of you guys spend a, a ton of time with, you know, your analysis, your rankings, your statistical approach to fantasy football. No matter how much information we get these days, these sort of mispricings still happen. Dario, wh- what do you look for when you're trying to find? a mispriced situation and fundamentally why do you think this happens year in year out is it the unpredictable nature of football or is it something a little bit deeper I think in some
1: cases there there's like biases we can take advantage of right like you think of Debo that year you talk about 2021 he was being underestimated due to the injuries and Brandon I came on very strong toward the end of his rookie year so I think taking advantage of people's weariness towards injury. I mean, we're going to talk about the Chargers receiver room. I think that's a good example where that bias kind of starts to rear its head. And I think a lot of times people you know, are just underestimating a certain young receiver and his up-and-coming ability. You talked about the Jamar Chase example. We're going to talk about Jahan Dotson in Washington on the show sheet today. So I think there's a lot of things that go into it. And I just look to what's the quality of that offense going to be and is there, you know, just I think like you said, it's it's a very random thing. We get very few games, but, you know, sometimes you just got to <laughs> get lucky, I think.
0: Yeah. You talk about the like the biases. And I think a lot of times we have, despite at Player Profiler, us trying to take like a nuanced approach to the game, looking at things like analytics, looking at things like I mean, I think we have some very talented rankers you still have no idea what a coaching staff thinks. Uh, Sometimes usage changes as coaches gain trust, and sometimes players just flat out get better at at things that we might not even be thinking of, like, you know, route running, pass blocking. Bradley, what are your thoughts on this? And, uh, you know, kind of the unseen, unread elements that can can really affect these sort of scoring uh, mispricings?
2: Yeah, I think you hit the hammer on the nail, as Billy likes to say. Um, one of the examples that comes to mind immediately is how Chris Evans was being drafted pretty heavily last year as the backup to Joe Mixon. And the reason why we were big in on Chris Evans was because we thought, well, he's obviously a better pass catcher than Samaj Piran, and we thought that he was a better pass blocker as well. But what we underestimate sometimes is that players like want to get better at the game and they'll practice and improve. And that was one of the reasons that Samaj P Ryan beat out Chris Evans and not only beat him out, but was a usable fantasy option from week to week sometimes. So um, I think one of the things we underestimate is that, some players do get better and continue to ascend. And so those are some things that we want to be watching. Is this the second season in a particular player's uh, offense, you know, behind the offensive coordinator and the coach, this continuity behind the offensive line for uh, a co- for a quarterback. Um, and I think another thing that we need to keep in mind is have these players spiked before, have we seen upside from these particular players, whether it is in college or their athletic profile is awesome or in the handcuff situations, have they stepped up and bend the player? Um, because sometimes there are injuries like Dario mentioned earlier that a player can step up and then significantly outperform their, their teammate or even go neck and neck with the player that, um, that they were being drafted behind. So I think we'll get into some of those examples here, but those are some things to keep in mind is both, the progression of players, the improvement, but also the handcuff situation that can extend uh, into the season as injuries
0: might happen. Yeah, I think the injuries are, are a big thing. And and one thing we have here at Player Profiler that is something that you should consider purchasing is our Injury Finder app. It's really awesome. And we're going to get a chance to hear from the podfather about it. And then we'll be back and we're going to dive into some teammate situations that I think could really flip fantasy leagues this year. And I'm really excited to hear Dario and Bradley's thoughts on them.
3: Hey, you're in your fantasy draft and someone says, hey, that guy's injury prone. I don't want him. And you're like, I don't know. I don't think you can predict injuries. Well, guess what? Now you can! Injury proneness is real! At Player Profiler, we have the data on these players, and it's all in the Injury Finder app. Their injury track record back through time, exactly where they were injured, how severe it is. We look at the BMI data, and we crunch it all together, and we give you probabilities that a player will miss multiple games this NFL season, as well as the... Complete database of NFL injuries and the ability to compare two players and look at their injury track record. The injury finder is powerful, and it's only 5 bucks. If it's worth it to have that peace of mind when you're drafting, go get
0: it. Welcome back to Man vs. Machine. Guys, we we have to start at the wide receiver position. That's really where the, the bulk of our conversation is going to be. Guys, there's before we get into like the the ones that you might expect, I really wanted to, to start with with the three big ones. And these ones are kind of at the top of the food chain. These are all very interesting situations because you have the wide receiver one, the perceived wide receiver one in this offense, being drafted in the first round. And the wide receiver two is going either in the second round or the very beginning of the third round. So I wanted to start out with. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill right now is going off the board on underdog as wide receiver four overall. And Jalen Waddle is going off the board as wide receiver 11. Last year, both of these players finished inside of the, the top eight at the position in PPR leagues. Both smashed their ADPs. Both were f- phenomenal. We saw Jalen Waddle score differently in his rookie season and this and this past season. His rookie season, he set the record all-time for most receptions by a rookie last year he was doing it in different ways a little more splash plays Tyreek Hill saw a career high in targets he had about 170 of them unbelievable season and his touchdowns were actually down so where are we at here is this a correct pricing in terms of the gap and do you, what are the chances that you give that Jalen Waddle can outscore Tyreek Hill this year Dario
1: I mean, I think that the gap is certainly deserved the, between these situations that we're about to talk through with the alphas and the solid, like top tier, number two receivers that would be number one on most other teams.
0: Top of the food chain. That's the yeah, exactly. Here.
1: These top of the food chain guys. I think that the target discrepancy between Hill and Waddle is probably the most extreme of these three situations. Tyreek Hill was extremely impressive. When you look at targets per route run last year, led the league 33.6% target rate. So I think he, he was in this offense. Mike McDaniel has really utilized the strengths of these players and keyed in on getting the ball in Tyree kills hands. And I think that that he was a clear, there was as clear of a gap here as there is in any of those other situations. I think it's justified. However, Jalen Waddle is also, you know, what, four or five years younger than Tyreek Hill. He's just as explosive. And it could just be that, you know, Tyreek Hill loses a step. And I, I would say there's still probably 20, 25% chance Jalen Waddle is the higher scoring of the two players, just because, like we said, the unpredictable nature of fantasy
0: football. Bradley, so just to put this in perspective last year, Jalen Waddle, what he did, he did it on 117 targets and only 75 receptions. Like, is there a scenario where Mike McDaniel is sitting back this offseason saying, whatever I got to do, I got to get 140 targets for Jalen Waddle, even if that means taking 10 off of Tyreek Hill? Because I think once we get into the... And I'll go right back to Dario real quick. Would the, if the target total gets to 140, Dario, like these two guys combined for an over 50% combined target share. But if we get him to over 140 then do you kind of pump your 25% i mean i think that
1: it's it's hard to really assign those percentages too much like yeah if i could yeah. promise today that waddle would get to 140 then yeah maybe it's 35% but that's a, it's a pretty tyre kills mean, Tyree Kill is kills just very a, like just loose hypotheticals yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah no for sure we're, we're trying to keep everybody on the edge here today it's, Bradley want to want to want to follow up with you how do you view this situation is this a situation where both players are just absolute smashes at adp or is there one you prefer and i want i want you to follow up on what what uh, dario talked about with what percentage chance you give waddle to actually outscore him this year I think that both of them are great values, both
2: in the redraft streets in the best ball streets, whether you're in the tournament or season long. I mean, the tournament we talk week 17, that game is going to be a smash between Baltimore and Miami. And we know that those teams totaled 80 points in 80 game total points. Last time they squared off. I think Waddle is the wide receiver one handcuff. Like You talk about a wide receiver who has a pathway. If Tyreek Hill goes down, Waddle can be the wide receiver one overall. In 2021, his median target share was over 25%. So this is a player who can corral more than just the 20, 22% median target share that he was getting last year. And so we can see him ascend into a 28 to 30% target share if Hill goes down. Um, and that gives a pathway to the explosive plays, the, the space, there is no real wide receiver three on this Miami Dolphins team. There is no real tight end threat either. We, we, Theo, you and I have talked about a, Devon, Devon, a chain, you know, time and again, and I think the running backs would be more involved if that happened. But that's why I'm drafting a lot of Waddle. Not only did he put up the top eight wide receiver numbers last year, and I think he can repeat it with the target shares, with the space, with the boom plays, but also he has the contingency upside that almost no other wide receiver, second wide receiver on the team can provide. So I'm drafting a lot of Hill because we saw the boom plays and the immense target share that was manufactured for him but I'm also drafting a lot of waddle with that contingency. So I think that a 35% is, is a fine percentage, you know, factoring in injuries and injury finders and uh, the injury finder app, y'all make sure you're downloading that and using it. Um, but I think that it, all injuries aside, I think that there's still a decent enough chance. Like uh, we're, we're talking 30, 35% that it's waddle over
0: hill, but I'm I'm not confident to go higher than that. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with you guys. Tyreek Hill for me is, is my number three overall. I think if gun, gun to head, if I'm drafting, I want Chase Jefferson or Tyreek Hill to start my draft this year. Cause I think that they provide me such a, such an advantage. Uh, Dario very quickly, you know, we talk about the success of the wide receivers in year two of Mike McDaniel. Do you think Tua Tungavailoa outperforms his quarterback 10, uh, underdog, underdog ADP? Uh, And you could take it as a points per game. We don't need to think about, you know, the whole season because we do worry a little bit about injuries. But from a points per game perspective, is he being slightly underrated in year two under McDaniel? I think a little bit. It's It's tough to
1: say because, you know, you look at the nine quarterbacks ahead of him and probably seven of them have elite rushing upside and floor or at least significantly more mobility than Tua. So I think that that ADP... Is justified. And in fantasy football, we're all chasing ceiling. So Deshaun Watson is more likely to give you that QB1 overall season than Tua is. But do I think that there's a good chance that maybe Tua finishes as a QB8 and Deshaun Watson can't recapture his pre sex offender self? and finishes as the QB 15 I think that's possible I think the ADP is fine but I do think you know when it's all said and done points per game if Tua plays at least 10 games he's probably settling around QB 7 QB
0: 8 yeah he's kind of like trapped between the Deshaun Watson bounce back and Anthony Richardson uh you know being you know a potential you know Konami code smash rookie season so Tua's is just kind of like that forgotten guy I think he's more of a like best ball drafters embracing them more so than, than redraft drafters. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. I'll start with, with you Bradley on this one, Devonta Smith, AJ Brown. These two had a kind of convergence. Uh, I'd say in the end of may, early June, Devonta Smith was getting drafted a little bit higher. AJ Brown was getting drafted slightly lower. Now it's up to AJ at wide receiver six and Devonta Smith at wide receiver 13. So slightly larger gap. You see Devonta Smith going uh, a little closer to the two, three turn than maybe he was a month ago. He's more a little little like mid-second then. I'm an A.J. Brown guy. I'm all over A.J. this year. Are you on Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown? Who is the better value, and what percentage chance do you have for, for Devonta Smith in year three actually outscoring A.J. Brown? I think that A.J. Brown is
2: the better value, and I think that Devonta Smith's stats, you know, a lot of people will cite... That from I don't know week ten onward, Devonta Smith had eight or more targets every single week, and he was out targeting AJ Brown during that time. But if we mention that, we also have to keep that data in context that Dallas Goddard missed almost all of that time, and so we saw the contingency upside with Devonta Smith that can rival AJ Brown. But AJ Brown continued to get targets and have the big boom wide receiver one plays throughout the season. And so I, I still see AJ. Brown as the value. Devonta Smith is, I think, a little overpriced still in the second round. I do like him, but maybe one of the, the pivots is still drafting Smith maybe in the beginning of the third and stacking him with Hertz or maybe you go the two-3 turn with, with Smith and Hertz because that's not being stacked a lot in your best ball drafts.
0: but I still like. I, him. I have about I have about a dozen Smith Hertz, Bradley.
2: Yeah, look, you are you are uh, a different animal here, Theo, but in the best ball mania four streets, it's one of the least stacked among all of the top four round wide receivers or tight ends. So I think that we saw what losing Goddard or losing like if A.J. Brown went down, we could see Devonta Smith be the number one target getter and and pay off mid to low end wide receiver one numbers. But he's not going to pay off without the injury. Six of his nine games with Dallas Goddard in the lineup had fewer than 50 receiving yards. That's not going to get it done from an investment of second round, early third round pick.
0: So, Dario, I, I you did the Devonta Smith write up and video for the the world famous draft kit. You did a fantastic job with it. And Dario, you're 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 my Devonta Smith expert. Go go back up, Devonta Smith. Make your bull case here, or. Are you agreeing with Bradley?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think before just looking at all three of the situations, I think that Devontae Smith has as I would give him the best chance of the three one B receivers to outscore the one a in their offense. I mean, he's had, like you said, there there's that down the stretch after like week 10, he, he and AJ Brown were basically neck and neck in targets. We've seen the crazy spike weeks from him and, obviously the, you know, first round pick Heisman trophy winner. I think that he's got that upside. And when we look at Chase Hill and Brown, AJ Brown does have the most concerning injury history. And I think that this is going to be a case where this is the offense where I like both of these receivers the most to exceed their ADP. Like this whole offense could just be a rising tide lifts all boats situation because of how little they had to throw the ball last year. They were so so dominant. The defense was so good that they were in so many game scripts that they simply didn't even need to air the ball out. I think that both of them, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, have elite air yards, elite targets per route run. And, I mean, I think this is another case where Devontae Smith did do better than Jalen Waddle last year when they were both had to compete alongside the Alpha in their offense. So I really like Devontae Smith as ADP this year. But you definitely got to keep drafting AJ Brown too. I think
0: the whole offense is going to rise. I completely agree with you. Uh, this is an offense that, that I'm really betting on. I think Jalen Hurts obviously is a fantastic value as well. And Devonta Smith had 95 receptions last year. That's an Eagles record. AJ Brown uh, had his like career season, and I think both those guys are trending up. And also the whole like back in the day when when Dario was a young man and Bradley and I were were, were just a little younger. Uh, year three was a big year for wide receivers. Now they all take their big step in like year one, year two, but year three can still happen. So 136 targets last year, Devonta Smith, Um, you know, I think there's still a little, little meat left on the bone. This one's real quick. We're all on Jamar chase. Correct. Yes. Or no. Dario. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bradley. Yes. Okay. So what is the scenario where T Higgins, I, I'm, I mean, I don't see a scenario where he outscores Jamar chase either, but right now, uh, T. Higgins is being drafted as wide receiver fourteen. We've had in a number of seasons where T. Higgins we've wanted more and more from a target perspective. He's a fantastic talent, uh, an alpha type wide receiver, but we're we're really only seeing like the 110 targets. What does it take for T. Higgins to get into like the top six this year for wide receiver scoring? Dario, is he gonna have to do it on on the the like the strength of touchdown catches? Or is there a scenario you see where maybe like I'll bring this up, guys? Hayden Hurst had 54 catches last year. Is there a chance it's more condensed for the two wide receivers? Or and we'll put through a little boyd and mix it in there as well. Dario, is there a scenario where you see T. Higgins really beating this ADP, or is this sort of like uh he is what he is, a fringe wide receiver one?
1: I think his only path to significantly beating this ADP is a chase injury. We saw that last year for about a four week stretch. I mean, you were, everyone was stacking Higgins with burrow week in week out in DFS because he was absolutely smashing those weeks. He was getting that elite target share. And it's, it's a shame that we can't see him at that ceiling all the time because Jamar chase is just, you know, probably the best pure high upside wide receiver in the entire league and i think that the reason you're paying what you are in ADP for T Higgins is because there's always a chance that any nfl player gets hurt and you want some ch- some exposure to that contingent upside but i do think if you're getting 17 games from Jamar Chase T Higgins is going to have a really tough time breaking 120 targets but i do think that the biggest potential like factor here as well is Tyler Boyd is really on a decline like last year Tyler Boyd you know people still think of him as a strong number three option in that offense, but there were games where he was just completely vanishing. I think his season target share off the top of my head was probably around 13%. We can double check that right now on his player page, but it's just, I think that that's the biggest path to both Higgins and chase getting that elite upside season. But I do think that with Higgins cost, you kind of need a chase injury to happen for him to really, really pay off
0: anything to add Bradley or or move on to the next one.
1: I just want to say that I think T
2: Higgins come at me, but I think that he needs to be a third round pick, not a second round pick that even with Jamar chase um, out those four weeks, Higgins only had a 25.8% median target share. He averaged uh what is it um uh, less than 15 fantasy points per game despite being the number one wide receiver in that offense like he had the opportunity to take the next step and prove that he could be an elite like a, a dog eating us beside another dog and it just wasn't the case and so we we haven't seen the spike weeks that we want to see from T Higgins he has uh less than a 5% top 5 rate in his career. And so I'm just concerned that he's not offering the upside that you want when you're drafting him at the end of the second round and I mean you you're usually taking him in the 2 3 turn to like stack with your kelseys or your Mahomes or whoever. But that's like
0: I T Higgins is overrated. Put it on the Twitter. Okay. All right. So the I'll say that just my my take on this is is It's the gravitational pull of the wide receiver position as a whole where we see like we see like 14 of them going in this 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 short short pocket. So it's it's pulling up the guys like T Higgins and the DK Metcalfs who are probably more like late third round type guys because these are the guys we're trying to hope that can, you know, challenge the Alave's and the Devonta Smith's. Um, So I think it's more of a gravitational pull guys. Let's get into the really action. Oh, go ahead, Dario. Yeah, I was gonna say, as we're talking about that
1: two, three turn, you know, you talked about that pull, that whole tier of wide receivers. I mean, right now you Jalen or T. Higgins ADP is right by Jalen Hurts, but the running backs in that area, I mean, Josh Jacobs was the RB one last season, and you know, assuming all goes well with his contract, the upside is just as high. Ramondre Stevenson, now there's some question marks there. I mean, not that long ago, Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley were going right behind these guys too. So I think that that's starting to sort itself out a little bit and people, the overreaction to last year's strong wide receiver season is starting to subside a little bit. But yeah, it's it's a tough button click right there with T Higgins, you know, in the tail end of the second round.
0: For sure. The third round's a little bit choppy. There's some potential big downfall pockets right now. I think that's a great conversation. For next week on Man vs Machine, guys, I want to keep this thing going. Let's get to the really actionable ones. One of the more polarizing conversations right now: people have a big, big, big opinion about this one way or another. Calvin Ridley right now is steamed up to thirty-two overall and underdog. He's going in the third round in FFPC drafts as well. The high-stakes main events. Uh, I've seen him go as high as the two twelve in a, in the FFPC main event. He is wide receiver sixteen, while Christian Kirk who last year had a phenomenal season where he had 84 catches, 1100 yards and eight touchdowns in his first year in Jacksonville. Uh, he's down to wide receiver 27. So this gap I actually thought would close when Billy and I would, were talking about this in in like May, we expected it to kind of converge. It's actually separated much further than I thought. There's a real notion that Calvin Ridley's the alpha Christian Kirk is going to be like the number two and Evan Ingram is the number three. Do you think that this is a, this gap is too wide Dario, which player do you prefer at ADP Ridley or Kirk? I think the answer right now has to be
1: Kirk at ADP Kirk. I think he impressed us all last season with everyone was kind of clowning on the Jaguars for giving him that contract. And he very much proved capable of being a solid number 1 receiver in an offense he very much like you know played that role for Trevor Lawrence consistently led the team in targets had some very big games so i think that people are perhaps buying into the Calvin Ridley oasis in the desert a tiny bit too much i obviously see the appeal but i think if you're getting a round and a half difference in adp i'm definitely going to be drafting more of Christian Kirk just because the floor is definitely safer Especially, you know, if we're talking about a redraft context and Calvin Ridley, just to to pay that premium price on top of the fact that he hasn't played football in almost two years, it's a little bit worrisome.
0: Yeah. And Zay Jones, shout out to Don F. in the chat. Zay Jones finished inside of like top 25 wide receiver last year in PPR as well. So, Bradley, there's basically a notion that the Jaguars' offense takes a step forward and Calvin Ridley not only returns value on his ADP, but he pushes these other guys who were successful last year way, way down. I know you had some concerns about Trevor Lawrence returning value at ADP. Do you think that all of the Jacksonville wide receivers are getting overdrafted, or do you think that you have a a dog in the fight?
2: I I do have Trevor Lawrence a little bit lower than the rest of The quarterbacks, but that's due to the rushing. I think the passing is going to be there. I have Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk all projected for more than 120 targets in this Jaguars offense. And I think that the first dog to eat is going to be Calvin Ridley. I think the market is right on that. He historically has commanded a higher median target share per season than any of the other pass catchers in the offense. We do like Christian Kirk. I think he is a good value and he is being understacked. Right now, uh, or at least the last data I saw, Kirk was only being stacked about 18% of the time and that's compared to Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley who are being stacked 30 to 38% of the time. So that's a significant difference in how the how people are drafting Trevor Lawrence plus these pieces, Uh, but from like a, a value standpoint, I'm still in on Calvin Ridley. He's one of my guys for this year. I see him paying off a third round draft capital. I get the risk. I understand those, but I've also, you know, we need to understand that there is context to the reason why he was off during uh, the first half of the season with the Falcons and then suspended. Um, I think neglecting that context is, um, is something that we shouldn't be doing too much of. And we should trust that the player profile will continue forward on the sending Jaguars offense that we do like um, and that the market likes. So I can like both of these players. And I, I think that the value versus market is Kirk, but I still like Calvin Ridley
0: yeah i mean i'm I'm at the point where I've been taking more Kirk because of the price but every like all the drum beats are strong right now for ridley uh, you keep hearing these quotes from mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence you keep hearing the quotes from the beat reporters so I don't know it's it's a tough one i am I'm, I'm betting on that offense taking a step forward uh wanna want to step over to an offense that's being drafted aggressively the san francisco 49ers We have certain question marks at the quarterback position. I think we all can kind of agree that Brock Purdy is the one that they would like to be behind center. But right now, Dario, we have uh, have Christian McCaffrey being drafted as RB1 overall, FFPC underdog. George Kittle, tight end four on underdog, tight end four or five on FFPC. And then, guys, this has been one of the big teammate arbitrage situations for the, the last two seasons. 2021, we talked about Debo Samuel. If Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup were not playing that year, he would have been wide receiver one overall. A rare 20-point-per-game uh, PPR season. Those, those don't grow on trees. Debo had his huge breakout that year. Then last year, Debo gets a little bit overdrafted. Ayuke ends up being the big value. This year, we're kind of back at it. There's Debo Samuel being drafted as wide receiver 18, and Brandon Ayuk is down to wide receiver 28. We have a 10-point... or. T- uh, t- uh a 10 uh, wide receiver gap between the two of them. Where are you at, Dario, on on this? Uh, who do you prefer at ADP? Are they both being drafted appropriately? I think the,
1: the, the concern with for me with Debo is if you look at the way that he was utilized in that offense before and after they traded for Christian McCaffrey – it was pretty much night and day. Like Christian McCaffrey took over a lot of those designed routes, those targets within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And from week 12 onward, I think, because, and then, you know, Debo had the injury. So really we're looking at like weeks 11 through 14 and then the playoffs. Debo only had, he had two games over 20 points. And he also had five games under 10 fantasy points. So that's pretty concerning usage. And on top of that, he's still being drafted a round and a half ahead of Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk had some very good games with Brock Purdy as the quarterback. So I think right now at these prices, Brandon Ayuk is the slightly better value. But there's a reason that this offense is being drafted so highly, and that's because they put up crazy numbers with a seventh rounder at quarterback. And I don't think that's going to change. Kyle Shanahan is still... One of, if not the best, play designers in the league, and these guys are probably all going to eat, and they're all going to have spike weeks, and you just hope you have the one
0: that spikes during week seventeen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're both like both these wide receivers are are ballers. They both are the kind of guys that can put up big numbers. Last year, Ayuk gave us uh, almost 80 receptions, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Dario brings up some of the low-scoring Debo Samuel Weeks. I'll push back a little bit, Bradley, and I'll say that I think that a lot of it was the offense, even though Shanahan is terrific, Christian McCaffrey came in mid-season and they had to change everything. So even the, the sharpest mind still was going to struggle to kind of have all of his guys featured at the same time. Do you think with a off-season of self-scouting and preparation – there won't be these sort of concerns. Do you think that Debo can coexist with McCaffrey? Do you worry about the manufactured rushing touch, uh, touches? Like, where are you at on Debo, Bradley? I think he's a little bit polarizing right now.
2: He's a player that I'm pretty high on relative to projections and other projections and other rankings. Um, he's a player that I we've seen spike weeks from him. He finishes, what, the wide receiver, top five wide receiver two years ago. Yep. You mentioned that. But it's also that you mentioned that the play design can be there. McCaffrey um, has dealt with injuries, like we we have seen him deal with those throughout his career. The running back position is cursed in San Francisco. We've seen uh, with Eli Mitchell and and countless other running backs coming before him, where. Even Debo, you know, has dealt with his injuries. And I think we also need to keep in context last year, Debo missed a lot of the practices and workouts with the holdout due to the contract situation that he was waiting for. And he wanted to be paid as a running back and wide receiver. So when you miss that significant off season time with the team, and holding out that does affect kind of your role. And you know, how Shanahan likes to put people in dog houses. I mean, look at IUK from a couple years ago, look at uh, Dante Pettis from a couple years ago, look at Trey sermon, right? There are players who just lose their roles and then, well, they'll, they'll get their way back. They'll make their way back in the lineup. We've seen that with Ayuk. So I am more bullish on Debo Samuel being back with the team full off season workout. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even last year, median target share for Debo Samuel was twenty five percent. So we gotta have some confidence here that this Yak monster will continue to produce for fantasy,
0: yeah. And last year, even despite the McCaffrey coming into town, Debo still leads all uh, wide receivers in rush attempts with forty two. The year before he had fifty nine it was unbelievable. So that still is part of his game where you bring up contingent upside with with some of these other players. Like, I think there's a lot of steam for for Elijah Mitchell, but I, I will say that as a handcuff, I will say that if Christian McCaffrey goes down, Debo Samuel, like, he's going to go nuclear in this offense. Guys, I want to take it over, stay in the state of California, and we're going to go to Dario's near his hometown uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. This is an offense that I think people are very bullish on right now. Um, you know, we have Kellen Moore taking over as offensive coordinator There's like a lot of positive vibes about what's happening in Los Angeles. And you have Keenan Allen, who last year uh, had another highly targeted season, um, missed some time. But when he he closed the year out, uh, he at a per game basis was was doing great. You have Mike Williams, who was kind of, you know, had his games, but but left a little bit of meat on the bone. Also missed time. So you have two wide receivers that missed time. And then you add in the first round uh, pick in, in Quentin Johnston. Right now, we have Keenan Allen being drafted at wide receiver 19, and we have Mike Williams being drafted as wide receiver 25. So it seems like every single year lately, you're having to make a decision on one of these two guys at ADP, and they're always fairly close to one another. Now you have the X factor of the rookie wide receiver out of TCU, Quentin Johnston, where there's some positive vibes out of camp about his strong play, he's already passed Josh Palmer. He'll be on the field for three wide receiver sets. Where are you at Dario on trying to gauge this wide receiver core? Cause we all like Herbert. We all like this offense. Who would be the wide receiver? You would like to take shots on at ADP.
1: I think both of them, <laughs> uh, but I I'm kind of leaning toward Keenan Allen. He had, like you said, just impressive target commanding once he was back on the field. I mean, It was really frustrating last season with that hamstring injury that that did cost him quite literally half the season. But when he was on the field, he was excellent and he was still the number one target in that offense. I think that part of what Kellen Moore will hopefully bring to this offense is more of a vertical element. They got I think they got forced to throw the ball to Eckler more times than they really wanted to in terms of running an efficient NFL offense because of how how bad the depth was in the wide receiver room. I mean, they were rolling out like Mike Bandy. Uh, you know, you guys remember him? Stop um, it. You
0: made that name up. So... <laughs> I'm just joking. I know he's a real person. Shout out to so Mike Bandy.
1: That's, that's why they drafted Quentin Johnson. And I think that these guys are all going to eat. The thing that concerns me with Mike Williams is, you know, I talk about targets for route run being just one of the best indicators of year over year talent. And Mike Williams' targets per route run peaked in 2021. It seemed like that upward trend could continue. I remember last year; I think his ADP surpassed Keenan Allen. It was an even hotter debate than it has been this off season. But he kind of declined back toward most of what we've seen from him the rest of his career in terms of targets per route run, and also just the way he was utilized. A dot. I think that that could lead to more spike weeks from him. You know, we'll see some of those bigger air yards games from him especially hopefully in this Moore offense but I think in terms of who I'll be drafting more at ADP right now it's still Keenan Allen
0: Bradley does Quentin Johnson strike you as a threat to big Mike Williams not in year one
2: but he's clearly the threat and perhaps has already overtaken Josh Palmer and we saw Palmer as a contingent upside wide receiver last year despite the fact that Josh Palmer is one of the worst wide receivers in the NFL. Um, So look, he's not going to overtake Mike Williams this year, but I think Quentin Johnson can be poised to take over in future years. He's a wide receiver that I am sprinkling in here and there with my charger stacks. I'm not going hog wild. I am more bullish on uh, Keenan Allen this year. I'm less excited about Mike Williams, because we look at the target shares just outside of the ankle sprains. Let's remember that Mike Williams sustained not one, but two high ankle sprains in week seven and week 11. And that cost him like four games. And then as we know, high ankle sprains don't just cost games. They also cost effectiveness in games. And so um, what I want to get at is that there are, there were too many Less than 20% target share games for Mike Williams last year for us to be comfortable with him being a resource. I mean, his median target share last year was 14.6%. You can't be drafting that as a solid wide receiver, too, with any sort of confidence. And then you add a first round pedigree wide receiver. So, Theo, I'm out on Mike Williams at cost right now, like a best ball final, sprinkle him in here and there because I do like Justin Herbert. And I like the Chargers offense, but I have major concerns that Williams can be a consistent contributor. And I don't have a lot of confidences as, as a wide receiver
0: two option. So the, this next one is, and I'll say this, I'll end the debate. Just draft Justin Herbert, everybody. And then you don't have to worry about which wide receiver uh, returns value to ADP because Herbert's <laughs> going to crush it this year. Um, Daria, we'll start with you on this one. Fun one. You have F1, Terry McLaurin, Uh, who actually has had the same amount of catches the last two years, 77. Same amount of touchdowns the last two years, five. Targets were similar, 130, 120. And yardage, she gave you, last year was almost 1,200. year before was over 1,000. So McLaurin's been like a reliable guy. You can go to bed on Saturday night knowing that you can wake up and he's probably going to be a wide receiver too. Then last year, they draft Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, I believe, had six top 25 weeks, scored a ton of touchdowns, tied Christian Watson for most touchdowns among rookie wide receivers last year, despite playing only 12 games. You have a noticeable gap on this one. McLaurin is wide receiver 23, again, living in wide receiver two land. And Jahan Dotson, he's creeped up a bit. Jahan Dotson, I believe, is wide receiver 38 now. He's going somewhere between like wide receiver 38 on underdog. Why do we call him wide receiver 40 in FFPC? So like it's still a wide gap. I I believe by the time we draft in September, Jahan Dotson is going to be a a wide receiver three. I think he's headed there. This is fun. You have Eric Biennemi coming uh, into Washington as new offensive coordinator. You have uh, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett behind center. And what we think are positive game scripts. You talk about Philadelphia – dallas like washington's going to be an underdog they're going to be in situations they're going to have to pass the ball a lot where are you at on this one dario i know me and you have talked about this a number of times from a dynasty lens how about from redraft
1: right i mean i really like Jahan Dotson as a player i think some of what he showed last year in his rookie year was obviously really impressive touchdowns to me i think that's the part that gets overstated touchdowns are generally fluky and i don't think you can count on like I'm sure that we're projecting Donson for less touchdowns this year than he actually had last year because that's just quite literally the nature of touchdowns so I think that I'm kind of you know this is an easier offense to fade than most of the offenses we've talked about up to this point right I mean we all want to draft Chargers we all want to draft Bengals we all want to draft Eagles the Commanders a little bit a lot more uncertainty, really, when it comes to the quarterback situation, the quality of the targets that these guys are going to be getting. And I worry that Dotson is going to eat into McLaurin's ceiling and the offense still isn't going to be big enough for both of them to deliver value at their ADPs or maybe Dotson slightly delivers, McLaurin slightly underperforms and it's just a block offense altogether for us. So this is one... Where I think I'm also kind of inclined to draft the the upside of the guy entering year two. He's younger, he's a lot cheaper in drafts. I mean, the opportunity cost of McLaurin is right around that Mike Williams tier. You can get Brandon Ayuk there, you can get Christian Kirk there. Whereas with Jahan Dotson, you know, I'm pretty happy clicking the button on him ahead of guys like Gabe Davis, George Pickens, and you know, a falling Traylon Burks. So I think that's the difference maker for me right now between the receivers on the commander's offense.
0: Yeah, I think you you make some good points, Dario. I do think that there's a chance they could be very such a condensed target tree with those two guys like Dotson. To me, you have the top 20 draft capital. I think it's odd how where he's being drafted. I think he should be drafted a little bit higher. Bradley, I think that the market, for whatever reason, is kind of unenthusiastic about him. Um, maybe a little bit less than I thought they would. I thought he'd be more of like a guy getting drafted around wide receiver 30 than than almost wide receiver 40. Where are you at on him, Bradley?
2: Yeah, I think this is an interesting uh, wide receiver group because I think there's ambiguity to how this is going to be split, and I'm happy drafting Dotson at value over McLaurin because an interesting thing is McLaurin actually – took control of the offense from a target share perspective. Once Carson Wentz was, was benched, it was Taylor Heineke throwing near the second half of the season. And that's where Terry McLaurin had nearly every single one of his 22% or higher weeks in tar in terms of target share almost every single week he was in target share but what's interesting is that was almost at the same time where jahan dotson was also rattling off meaningful snaps and meaningful target shares so i think as dario mentioned they can coexist it can be consolidated and based on the price like give me the cheaper option in what i think is going to be more ambiguous than what the uh what the situation is because we don't know who Sam Howell is actually going to be targeting a one game sample. Isn't enough for us to say with any confidence that it's definitely McLaurin over Jahan Dotson. We like what McLaurin has done in the NFL, certainly, but it's only year one of Jahan Dotson. We expect year two. We talk about it all the time. The ascension of year one to year two wide receivers, how they get better in the NFL and the, how Washington's probably not going to be very good. So I think that all of those factors are leaning me, leading me toward drafting a lot of Jahan Dotson as well. And even if he gets into the late wide receiver threes, I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you. And I'll just say like McLaurin's one of these guys where I think if he would have been drafted to a better quarterback situation, like we would look at him slightly different. He's the kind of guy that he's a very talented player, but he's hasn't given us one single fifteen point per game season. He's never cracked it, and he's points per game uh, finishes. He's given us a wide receiver twenty and a wide receiver twenty two, a point per game finish. I don't know about year five being the year that he suddenly you know has his smash year. So I, I'll take the the, the less expensive, um, exciting young guy in the in the offense, McLaurin. I think he's just kind of a purgatory player where he is. Another offense that Dario, I think people are kind of mildly interested in is Pittsburgh you have George Pickens um, a year heading into year two and you had Deontay Johnson who has seen uh, an incredible target share for con- three consecutive seasons had a ton of catches for the three consecutive seasons but last year had one of the more uh, disappointing touchdown totals that anyone could have imagined zero total touchdowns which I think has really pushed his ADP quite low uh, right now, we see Deontay Johnson going off the board as wide receiver twenty-nine, despite another eighty-six catch season coming off of off of a one hundred and seven catch season in twenty twenty-one. And George Pickens, the second round pick last year, gave us fifty catches, eight hundred yards, four touchdowns, which historically is not bad numbers for a rookie. But I think uh, analytics-wise, left a lot of a lot to be desired. Doesn't separate. Had a poor catch rate he's being drafted as wide receiver 40 overall. So right now Pickens wide receiver, 40 Deontay Johnson wide receiver, 29. How do you view these two players and this ADP situation? I think this is a case that's really interesting
1: to contrast with the commander's offense that we just talked about, because I think that a lot of the indicators that I like to look at to the quality of a receiver are there for Jahan Donson, more so than they are for George Pickens. George Pickens, it was weird. He showed some promise before Chase Claypool left Pittsburgh and everyone was asking for him to get more routes. And, you know, when that Claypool trade happened, it seemed like that was that was going to be the watershed moment for Pickens. But his efficiency actually declined. Like you said, he's not shown to be a particularly good separator. I do trust the Steelers when it comes to drafting wide receivers. I mean, if anyone's going to, like, take a hugely unexpected leap, it could be Pickens, but I think Deontay Johnson is being severely undervalued because he had no touchdowns last year. I think that Kenny Pickett is pretty secure in his starting job and is only going to get better. They had, were improving down the stretch last season in terms of you know, metrics like yards per drive, just overall offensive efficiency. So I think Deontay Johnson is being drafted very close to his floor. He's going to continue being a guy who can average eight targets per game consistently, and I'm sure Bradley can tell us about the median target shares, which were, you know, absolutely kick-ass. Bradley, take it away.
2: (laughs) Well, look, Deontay Johnson has risen from... Uh, the seventies and even the eighties and ADP over the last couple of months, he's been one of the biggest risers in the best ball streets. And it's finally that like, we're putting out the projections. We're getting the stats out there. The common man is understanding that regression is happening. They're not overreacting. They're getting further away from last season and now looking toward this season and remembering that, the target shares are pretty sticky year to year. Like that's one of the stickier stats that we can look to and trust is going to be consistent for us. And Deontay Johnson offers the target share consistency, but one thing about George Pickens, and I don't want us to lose context. Once again, I feel like I'm being the man, you know, in this conversation sometimes of like, here's the context of the stats, but uh, George Pickens is coming off of a season, which was his first back from an a-, a major ACL tear. Remember, he was he tore his ACL in the spring of 2021. He was rushed back; it was like miraculous. It was exactly on the nine month dot that he got back, and that is pushing the limits of ACL tears. He was an early declare, so we liked the profile of George Pickens. But we see time and time again, year one ACL recoveries, like the year one production after an ACL recovery. Players just don't perform to their level, um, and so year two coming into uh, this year with uh, Pickens, I expect him to take another step forward. And he acts like an alpha, you know, out there. He does command targets. He can make miraculous catches. And Kenny Pickett is one of the better downfield throwers, and that's where Pickens can make his living. So I think that there are stars lining for George Pickens to out fantasy point Deontay Johnson but you know Johnson I still think is going to have a higher target share but it's a question of the depth of the targets the the quality of the targets the red zone end zone targets can be favored in Pickens uh in Pickens way and so I think that Pickens is a player that like we shouldn't read too much into a first year back from ACL tear uh play of performance for him uh especially given that he's so young and learn you know we expect a year two leap all those things he's primed
0: for a big year two. I took George Pickens in the eighth round of an FFPC main event. And I thought that that was like getting him in the eighth round based on where he, he could finish. I thought that was a really fine value. I think he's really, really beat up right now by a lot of people. And I think also, also throw the fact that this is a, a interesting uh, uh, like room to gauge. Cause I also think Pat Friermuth who's entering year three Like, we, he almost cracked 100 targets in in year two. So that's a pretty high number for a year two tight end. Very interesting one. I want to get back at it here, guys. Let's talk quickly, uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. This is a very beat-up Tampa Bay offense right now, Dario. Both of these guys are being drafted outside of wide receiver two land. Uh, Chris Godwin is being drafted as wide receiver 30 right now in underdog. And Mike Evans is down to wide receiver 35. So they're very close in ADP. Which one do you prefer? And do you think that this offense as a whole is maybe a little bit too beat up right now? I
1: think they're um, the right amount of beat up. This offense is not one that I think you want to get very many pieces of this season. But between these two receivers, I think, you know, sticking with a player profile or brand here, you've got to go Chris Godwin just massively talented target earner and last year i mean we talk about the context of a first season back from an acl tear chris godwin's 2022 season was one of the more impressive fresh off an acl tear seasons we've seen and i mean he had the early re-injury in week one after having a very good game in week one and then it seemed like after week six he was getting 10 targets every single game i think mike evans without tom brady without a quarterback that can really be accurate beyond 10 yards past the line of scrimmage is going to really, really struggle. And I think he's definitely, you know, lost a step. He's going to be 30 this year, right? Evans. Um, so it's just going to be, I, I think that Godwin is still the clear value between the two guys, but I'll be surprised if either of them is a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy for us this season. So that's what makes it a little bit tough to draft these guys when, they're in the same territory as, you know, we just talked about Deontay Johnson. I think Marquise Brown as the wide receiver one in Arizona down the stretch, if Kyler comes back is very appealing. We're talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett in that territory. So there's a
0: lot more upside in some of these guys being drafted in that same range. It's very interesting, Dario, because like we talk a lot about consolidation. Like this is, I feel like this is a little bit like Seattle last year where those wide receivers got really beat up and they got pushed down. Chris Godwin has given us over 200 receptions the last two years, and there's way less target competition right now. Um, You know, I think the fact that you're going to have most likely a Baker Mayfield and not a Kyle Trask, I think we, we, we probably would bet on that. There might be a little bit more, a little less spreading the ball around, a little more just getting the ball in the hands of like pretty decent players. So I might push back just a little bit. I think that there's, this is a situation where I think you might want to take a shot. Um, I think there's a chance they both beat ADP here. But Godwin, I mean, God, the guy's caught so many balls. He's such a good player. Uh, Bradley, where are you at on this situation?
2: Yeah, I'm higher on Godwin than Mike Evans. Evans has the last two seasons. Uh, median target shares of 20 and 21%. So that's not really the upside type of, uh, actually two years ago, it was 17% was his median target share. Um, So there is like a scarier median, a scarier mid level for, uh, for Mike Evans. And you meant Dario mentioned the age cliff could be coming for the, we've seen these big bodied wide receivers arrive at the age cliff sooner than maybe your shiftier, some more often the slot type of wide receivers. Um And so Mike Evans is a player that is much riskier, but also he's the goal line wide receiver. If there's ever like a touchdown dependent wide receiver, it's, it's Evans. And so I, I do lean Chris Godwin. I believe in his target share another year removed from the ACL tears. You mentioned Dario. So I, I am more in on Chris Godwin, but I think it should be actually a further gap between Godwin and Evans as
0: we uh, are, are fading a little bit of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Want to go uh, quickly. Let's go lightning round here, guys, because we're hitting an hour. Um, Right now, the Buffalo Bills running back situation is an interesting one. You have year two, James Cook, and he is being selected as running back 31. You have Damian Harris being selected as running back 38, the free agent signing from New England. Cook is the one people are betting on to have some receptions. Harris, in a perfect storm to protect Josh Allen, is getting a lot of goal line work, and he has a touchdown path. Dario, who is your preferred player at ADP right now, uh, Cook or Harris?
1: You know, I think this ADP gap was a little wider maybe two months ago, and I would have said Harris. But with where things stand right now, we've seen the drumbeat start to come up for James Cook. I think that he's going to get targets, particularly if you're in a Redraft PPR league. I mean, we've been talking about under underdog ADP half PPR versus PPR. I think is probably the deciding factor for me when we're talking about this backfield. If you're getting full PPR, I think James cook is the way to go. If you're going for half PPR, I think roll the dice on Damian Harris. And you just have to hope that the bills are trying to protect Josh Allen's body. And they give him a little bit of that goal line work to Damian Harris. But I think that both of these guys are still going to continue to get vultured at the goal line by Josh Allen, like we've seen with Devin Singletary for like his entire career up to this point.
0: Bradley, Cook, or Harris? Oh,
1: man. Here's the thing I'll lean
2: James Cook but I'm going to throw another name out there and y'all are going to like uh, strangle me through, through the stream yard, but it's Latavius Murray is still there too. And y'all are hating on Latavius Murray, but he is like Frank Gore. He's not going to go away. Y'all are going to be so annoyed when Latavius Murray gets like eight carries and one is a touchdown and y'all are going to be so upset because, Oh, this should have been Damien Harris's and James cooks because it was supposed to be. But Latavius Murray last year, 50% 50% or more of the rush share in seven of his 13 games. It Look, this guy is like, he's like a cockroach. He just won't go away. And as much as we're annoyed by the fact that Latavius Murray is on the Buffalo Bills, Theo is shaking his head, but he's like, Oh, this is, this is the gadfly. It's true though, that Latavius Murray is the one of the last round selections that you should be considering it and pick uh, in your 18th round rotating through and uh maybe that's that's if you're really torn on cooker harris choose neither and try latavius
0: murray you know guys this is we're, we're, this that's to be continued bradley <laughs> guys we're we're over an hour here so i just want to go quickly around let's say just say the player you prefer at adp we don't have to add any context on this one philadelphia running back room deandre swift is at running back 23 and rashad penny has fallen down to running back 36 Better ADP value right now, Dario Penny or Swift? Uh, Penny Bradley Swift. I will go Swift as well. Uh, let's stick with the running backs here. Ken Walker has is at running back 16 on underdog, Zach Charbonnet, running back 33. Which do you prefer, Bradley? Start with you, Walker, Dario. Also Walker. I think I'm going Walker too, but Charbonnet is kind of appealing there. I want to stick with, with running back here, Alvin Kamara, who avoided any criminal charges is up to running back 30. And Jamal Williams has fallen all the way to running back 43. And I'll add in Kendra Miller right now has some health concerns. There's a chance that he misses a couple games to start the season at the very least. He's missing right now. Where are you at Dario on, Kamara or Jamal Williams 30 or 43
1: uh didn't I think people are still anticipating a suspension for Kamara but like, I agree with he, you he played that
0: the so he I
1: think that the I think he the- played guilty to the misdemeanor but he avoided felony charges so he you know there's probably not going to be a season-long suspension I think there's probably there's very likely a four or six game suspension yeah. coming the ADPs are gonna shift because of that right now Draft your Williams and draft your Kamara shares uh. once that suspension hits and his ADP drops.
0: Good take. Where are you at, Bradley? I'll take Williams. I'll take Williams as well. And Bradley, it's a good, I mean, uh, Dario, it's a great point. There's also the civil matter, but I think at the end of the day, he kind of avoided the really, really big one with the, with the, you know, what the outcome here criminally. Um. Then we'll stick at the running back position guys. Uh, last one here, my guy, Jameer Gibbs, who steamed all the way up to running back 13 on underdog or David Montgomery at running back 24. Who is the better value, Dario? Uh,
1: just in terms of pure value, I think Montgomery can still deliver. I want pieces of that offense. He's a lot cheaper, but I really love Gibbs too.
0: So it is Montgomery or Gibbs, Dario. You Montgomery. can't say both. I said okay. Montgomery. Okay, good. Montgomery. I'll also say Montgomery. I will say Gibbs. It's Gibbs season. Everybody. I'm shocked. Don't listen to these two guys over here, <laughs> guys. We're gonna skip the the tight ends because we're hit. A, we hit an hour five. This was so much fun. I hope that this was enjoyable for you to listen to. Dario, let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Just on Twitter at Dario Offstein. Very very easy one
0: there. Bradley. Oh, and at, Bradley, uh, yeah. you dropped another another episode of Stack Hunters. Let everybody know uh, where they can find that. Yeah, Tuesdays, 8
2: to 9 p.m., Stack Hunters next week. Justin Herzig will join me and we're gonna talk some best ball, probably best ball mania and uh the underdog streets. You can follow me on Twitter at FF Yeah,
0: that guy Justin Herzig's not a terrible best ball drafter. I think he uh took down the first best ball mania shout He's out to Justin great, Herzig. He does some great stuff for him to establish the run, really, really, really sharp. That'll be a must, a much uh must watch or listen to um I, I will i'll probably watch that one though bradley i'll choose to watch that one on Let's youtube go. but you can also listen to it as a podcast so make sure you're 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 listening to stack hunters and then i'm going to be back here later this evening at nine o'clock in the goat district jordan mcnamara uh, a very very strong dynasty mind is stepping into the goat district that'll be a fun conversation uh he was on mind a mansion a couple months ago did a great job Uh, He's going to be with us tonight. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of these uh, second year wide receivers. I know he is a big George Pickens hater. So we're going to be, I'm going to be, you know, picking his brain a little bit about why so much hate, guys. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us again. Stick with Player Profiler all July, all August. We're going to crush it. We're bringing you fantastic guests and fantastic shows. And uh, everybody have a great evening.